Welcome back to Pixar Didn't Happen. This is episode 25 again. I am the Yeti, and with me as always is... The Jew. What the fuck is up, y'all? Today, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. Um, We want to talk about my trip to Attack of the Ninjas. My trip to the Dead, Dirty, and Buried tour. And then we're going to have an interview with one of my old homies uh, and just talk about... um military and sort of what it was like being in the military yeah and what it's like to be this guy um so i'm gonna kick this off and just talk about my trip up to detroit so for some reason it decided that all day it was gonna be raining like my entire drive it was just freezing rain it was awful dude we got out of work thursday and it was snowing i i know i saw that in the morning because i actually had heard which getting ahead of myself a little, I'd heard it was in Detroit. They were expecting pretty heavy snow that next morning. And I was like, yep, that means we're leaving tonight. Once this show is done, I'm not going to wake up in snow covered Detroit. So rewind though. So the trip up there was pretty uneventful. Uh, it ended up just being a, being me and uh, one of one homie instead of a car full of people like we usually try to do. Um, so everything was pretty smooth sailing up there other than it just being really awful driving weather. Um, we were rocking out to, you know, all the Halloween classics uh, in preparation for the evening. We ended up getting up there fairly early in the afternoon with about three hours before doors, planning on park- partying in the parking lot, you know, as we usually would do. But with the weather, that didn't happen. So we, what we actually did was sat in my car and looked at facebook so no parking lot party not no no parking oh that is depressing yeah it was just everybody was either in line and that was just like the vip people so you couldn't even stand there and everybody else was just like hidden i'm not sure where everybody was um and eventually once it got even close to the doors there was still the line to get in was it went like down the block and then made a turn around the corner and went like three quarters down another block and you were just standing there in the freezing ass rain just waiting. So I just waited and, you know, once we got in um, and they got doors rolling and everything. What was it like to walk into the the legendary St. Andrews Hall? No, um, it was kind of cool, but it, it, it was, it felt like walking into pretty much every, any other venue that was completely packed. Yeah. Uh, like is, there was just a wall of people everywhere. Um, so my first goal was like, okay, I need to figure out where I need to go so I can get my pass set up. And it was just a big pain in the butt. There was just people everywhere. And like, it was weird because there was like, the merch booth was like right through the first door. So there was this massive line blocking all movement right as soon as you get through the door. So that was kind of awkward. But uh, the night, um, was pretty awesome. Uh, they were the, they did what they always do um, as far as their set, getting the transitions between the sets. Um, you know they're very efficient at that, and I, I love that. That's one of the things that's so cool that they're able to um, transition between the acts and keep every keep the show going, and you don't have these thirty minutes of standing in darkness waiting, or longer if it's yeah. a clown show. Yeah, or longer. So fucking awesome. Um, but honestly, I mean, the night was really awesome. You, 
it seemed like a lot of people sort of picked the stage and then stayed there. Um, that seems like that would have been a mistake. Yeah, I mean, I definitely I tried to get back as back and forth as much as I could. I made a mistake the first time, and I went through the crowd and then out to the main hall so I could go back downstairs. And then you had to fight through that crowd to actually get anywhere near the stage so I could get my shots. And I was just like, okay, well, that can't happen again. There has to be something better. Um, and then I found out there was like this little side door that since I had a photo pass, I could just take this little back ways and we just popped out right downstairs back in the back corner where it wasn't all crowded. And you just had to work your way up to the front, which well, was still a fucking nightmare. Good for you on that one, I guess, but. Oh yeah, it would have been. I mean, if I didn't have that ability, like I wouldn't have even been able to get in and out of there to try to do anything. It was, it was crazy how many people they. I mean, it was it sold out, and I did see that. Yeah, it was very obvious why they could fit no more people in there. See, and that's and that's that's man, that was kind of the reason that kind of kept me from going this year was I knew that it was going to be a lot of people on one night in one venue split up and I didn't want to be fighting the crowd the whole fucking night. Right. And it seemed like, and that was the thing I fit. And I know, you know, there's uh, like I said, most people seem to stay in one area. They sort of pick which one they wanted. Cause you know, those people that sit in the front row, the whole show and they, you know, they don't move. So I knew that was going to be a thing where people were not going to be happy about that. And then one of two options would happen. And, people staying at one stage was what they ended up going with um because if you had to try if the if had everybody decided to try to shuffle back and forth <laughs> dude that would have been the most ridiculous thing ever like there was just no way because like they were so tight like there was times when like i don't think you could actually have made it from one stage to the next like because they were overlapping a little bit um on the floors not so much, not with like the later shows i was able i was able to get from blaze's show and then but i i did blaze some blaze stuff with on the blaze set and then i actually left early because i knew that twisted was going to be starting and i was like yeah i'm just gonna get through this crowd before it gets crazy because you have to or you're not going to get anywhere near them did you feel like you missed anything no i didn't because i was able to stay for the most of the blaze stuff um and so i mean I didn't feel like I missed anything. Um, you threw me off my train of, train of thought, man. Uh, anyway, after Blaze, um, yeah, uh, the Twisted yeah, set back. was... I just fucking hit that thing. Uh, the Twisted set was pretty fucking awesome. Um, <clears throat> they started off the show. They came out, did uh, some House of Crazies, um, which... I really didn't expect, especially I thought maybe later. I didn't think they would just open that way, but it makes sense because that was they did what they did last year with the they brought in the other acts, you know. Uh, so we got to see Jelly Roll come out with them and they did a couple songs together. What song did the band the Jelly do? Um, they did um Joker actually with him, and mostly it was Jelly Roll sort of cheesing at the crowd because he didn't he, like. We all know he's sick now. Um, but he was definitely drinking after his stage. So he didn't really know what words was supposed to be said at any particular time, but it was a fucking awesome time. And, you know, they, they ended up bringing out a couple other acts to do some stuff with them. Uh, Young Wicked came out for a couple tracks and, um, of course, Blaze came out and 
they did Lotus, um, like three tracks. So, and that was cool, which I wasn't sure if they were going to do that this year. Um, mostly because I was actually thinking that they were going to do some Venom Spy. Which we still have not heard anything from. But they're other just. Other than the two singles. They're just going to like, because now they've done the rock. Then they've done. Oh, yeah. You're the, getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's go back here. So after they did that, they, they were like, you know, hey, there's a real strict curfew. You know, we got to get going. But we got, we got one more surprise. But we can only show you guys. We can only do this if, you know, you guys, you guys promise, you know, we're going to get out of here, right? Okay. So what they did was they did, um, I want to say they did Rock the Dead. And then they did their goodbye thing and they, and they started walking off stage. And as they're walking off stage, um, you hear gunshots start firing from everywhere. And then the banner that the Attack of the Ninjas banner that had been the backdrop all night drops. And that's when we see the, Rida's returns coming up in eleven twenty eight. Yep, and they—that's what they walked off the stage to, was just that drop, and now we have that coming up. No venomous five, and I think they're just gonna let it sit and do this, and then just one random, some random show. They're just gonna be like, oh yeah, by the way. Boom! Venomous Five is going to show up, and it will. I don't. I don't think it'll be like some just like, right? Like a just one of some tour. I think it'll be one of the like anniversary type shows. Now let, let me let me ask you this: on the internet, the level of butt hurt is right about <laughs> the internet of the level of butt hurt is right about seventeen percent. But what was the <laughs> overall feeling in the crowd amongst the Twizzlers, so, <laughs> so, so to speak? So. Everybody was pretty, from what I saw, everybody's pretty stoked about it. Um, and they actually handed out the single, um, the guys that were handing them out. Or, the single's pretty fucking dope. I listened to it. Um, when they were handing those out, um, they were, the person handing them out was completely ragged out head to toe, which was pretty dope. And um, everybody seemed pretty stoked about it. And you're right, it's, a, it's, it's definitely a thing on the internet now. Um, but I think everybody was pretty excited when they saw it, you know, as with anything, you know, there's certain things that we want and maybe it's that nostalgia factor. I don't know, but I don't know. It was pretty fucking dope. <laughs> I, I, I was excited. I'll definitely check it, check it out. That's, That's for the sure. best you can put at it. So I, I, let me ask you this. What do you think the best performance was? I mean, I mean, of course it's twisted, but I mean, I mean, so let's say I'll, I'll put it this way. Twisted set always fucking dope but the set that i really enjoyed watching i really like the gmo set because that dude he brings a lot of energy tons of energy like he was spin kicking and just like get, he went nuts he was interacting with the crowd you know he was taunting people um it was just a really good time so i really enjoy his his shows they're a lot of fun so that's my take I I enjoy GMO a lot, so you should check fucking check his shows out. They're a lot of fun. Okay, final two questions I have. For All you. right. Overall grade for Attack of Ninjas 3. Well, see, the problem is you're going to have to put it up against Attack of Ninjas 2. Well, that's the thing I'm going to ask you afterward. I just want to know where it stands on its own. So, as a show, I would say it was... I'd say I'd give it an A-. minus. 
And that's mostly just because of the two sets with the separate floor thing. That was just, I did, that was kind of complicated and I didn't really care for that, care for that that much. It's still freaking awesome night. Definitely glad I was there to check it out. Now, since you breached the question, the million dollar question, how does it stack compared to two? Do you think that they would be better served having it as a two day format again? <sighs> so I like, I like that the two day setup because it did have a whole different level of feeling in the air but i also understand the complexities to that too uh time and for people to be able to dedicate those two days that you know that can be a, a big issue um cost can be issues there so did i did i enjoy the two-day format i thought it was great because i was able to go but yeah i mean two is fucking awesome that's that's gonna be on some different level i think like it's gonna be hard to, for anything to top two I mean, it was it was something really special. I will, I will absolutely say that. So I guess it's uh, my turn then, huh? Yeah. Well, I didn't get to go to Attack 3. I have my reasons why I didn't get to go. But because I didn't go to that, I went to what was known as the Dead, Dirty, and Berry Tour, which was Blaze, Boondocks, and the Alozulu motherfucking AXE. So just because I love my boys, we had reject shit on the bill. It was some definitely some, some rejects in power. The... The RIP, as they like to be called, as they try to call themselves now. Uh, we'll have more on that at a later date, by the way. So, oh, and we also had other friends. Jay Horns and uh, Wolf of the Chaos Click were definitely repping that shit. But this is the first thing I want to get out of the way. If you're a small local bar and you book these acts, don't tell us not to mosh. Because we're gonna. You, it's better if you tell them to mosh. Because then you're going to confuse them. Some shit happened. Some shit. Some, some really special shit happened this night. And uh, 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 a new click was born as it was. And we're calling ourselves the Mosh Pit Kings. And God damn it, I need a world title belt. It consists of me, your favorite Jew. My friend Billy Butler, who might as well be made of nothing but collarbone. He's so skinny. Uh, another large bearded fellow by the name of Blaze One, who I, I, if anybody listens to this show, I'm sure they know of. And uh, a man I mentioned before who was a performer. He's also, his name is Wolf. Wolf's a good homie. But anyway, we are the Mosh Pit Kings MPK all motherfucking day. But I, I, I digress because it's something I do. The night was pretty fucking sick. Uh, <laughs> Rejects did their thing. I, I put some postage on my tongue and mailed myself out to the universe like I, t like I tend to do. Uh, but a bar, it was a bar. And it was crazy because we could come and go as we pleased. People were going back and forth to their car. Nobody was getting hassled. Security, if you can say there was any, was an old white man with a white beard and long, long white hair. Could have been anybody's grandfather, but whatever. Uh, this, is, this is the greatest part. So during the reject set, he snatches up Billy and says, hey, guys, please don't mosh. During horns and wolf set, he says, hey, please don't mosh. And I looked him right in his old bearded face and I said, what the fuck are you going to do when Zool comes out? So and what did he say to that? He did not have an answer. I think it's because he didn't know what was about to happen. <laughs> so, as expected, Zool hits the stage like they do. And it was not just the four men I just mentioned. Our friend Datmafucka Jenkins, who does not mosh, except for Gods of Chaos and for a la Zululu. In, in, a, in a room probably no bigger than most of y'all's living room, maybe a little smaller. I've been there, yeah, that sounds about right. 
we had about a 15 to 20 person large mosh pit. I felt bad for anybody that didn't want to participate because they didn't really have a choice. I was going to say, I mean, in that like, that's kind of like saying like, you got 20 dudes in your living room jumping around and you're on the couch like, please don't hit me. Like, yeah, kind of. Wow. Yeah, kind of. That is the only way I can put that. So just going to keep it going while we're on this subject. So we're spinning and throwing bodies and I see these two chicks who just are doing everything they can to hold front. There's no barricade. There's nothing to hold your grip on. Every time bodies are thrown toward the front of the stage, their asses and faces are just smacking this elevated platform. <laughs> it's it's a typical Zool show. The greatest part was like we were kind of moshing a little bit when they were doing Axe's Family and when they were doing Forever Face. But then they did Belial, and you know what happens when they play <laughs> Belial. But they asked for it. Billy Obey pointed directly to us and said, I want to see a fucking mosh pit. And we, we, we obeyed. <laughs> you moosey fucker. He's not here, but he's in spirit. Right. But that's, that's amazing. They did their thing. It was fucking insane. Uh, Boondocks always puts on a good show. I'm going to get this off my chest because I got some friends who give me shit about this. If, if, if you don't like Boondocks, fuck off. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm I'm a fan of Boondocks, and I have been since right around the time I graduated high school. So I, I say this from the bottom of my heart: fuck off if you don't like Boondocks. I actually happen to like Boondocks too. So fuck you too, motherfuckers. And then Blaze came out, and I fucking love Blaze. The problem is. The longer he's gone on, his solo tours aren't like it used to be on Psychopathic when, you know, he'd be going out every other couple months, you know? So it feels like the only time I really get to see him is special events. It was really good to see him headline something. And he's always a great performer. He's always got the fucking stage presence. And he killed it. And I got to say this. I'm a real big fan of him incorporating fucking Pantera's walk into his show. Real big fan. Oh, yeah. You was telling me. Like how he's been doing, he's done that. What the past like three times you've seen him or something? Well, you've seen him. He did it at uh fucking the four twenty show. Yeah, right, right. So that's two times that we've seen it. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's a regular part of his show now. Yeah, I mean it's, I, it's pretty dope. I wouldn't have a problem if he wanted to take a couple other, a couple other mosh pit fucking metal anthems and incorporated it into his show. I was, uh, again. At the you end just of the like night, the fucking mosh. Yeah, and at the, at the, at the, at the, at the end of the night, actually, every time I walked outside after a show, I said the same thing to security and anybody standing outside. They said we can't mosh, and I smiled and giggled because I knew what I was doing, and they knew what I was doing, but they couldn't stop me. Well, right, and I mean, like we said, if you tell them not to, like, it's not going to be working your favor ever. I just don't understand if you're going to have these kind of acts at your show. I mean, that's the other thing. Like, you book these guys. Like, it, did you research this at all to, like, have these objections? Because, I mean, you booked them. This is what's going to happen. Fucking normies in every direction. Guys just at their local watering hole trying to have a shot. And then you got you cannonballing around the cannonballing around the. Hey, it wasn't just me. There were also several other large bearded men. 
Oh, I'm sure there was others. I'm just saying, like they're just and trying I'm to putting have it their, out there. Blaze One's bigger than I am. They're just trying to enjoy their cheeseburgers and light beers. Yeah. And then you got you guys going nuts. Yeah. So yeah. So again, so since I missed Attack, I got to do this, and I got to say, man, I'm I was fucking so happy I I went to this show. It was it was one of the better better local shows I've seen in a very long time. And that, everybody held it down. Everybody fucking killed it. And see, and that's the important thing is making sure that these local shows can continue to happen. I mean, if I remember for a while, there was only like one place you could Bogarts. go. And you can't, All we fucking had was Bogarts. And you can't even go there anymore because no, they, they don't like us them. anymore. So it, it's kind of, I'm liking that there's these other spots that are popping up that we can try to Speaking of out. other spots, it's already been announced, but I'm just going to go ahead and announce it here. New Year's Evil is back in the mid-fucking-west. Thompson House, motherfuckers. We are going to fuck shit up. We promise to be respectful. I don't. <laughs> I promise nothing. <laughs> All right. So that was... Kind of our what weekend there or pre weekend since it was Halloween. Your Wednesday, my Saturday, yeah. my Friday. Uh, fucking great shows. Emony is fucking killing the shows. I, I'm loving it. Um, always have a great time. Um, so we want to go ahead and we have an interview with an old friend of mine. Um, old, <laughs> like I'm old. You are fucking old. That's uh, true. Anyway, um, we're going to talk about sort of uh, some of our early days and uh, that military life and all those awesome things that we do. So without further ado, here we go. All right. Well, all right, give me uh, so like I was saying, let's sort of go back. I got my buddy Jew with me here. What's going on, sir? Just sitting in the yay cave. So some of the stuff that uh, we've talked about is I something that actually I don't talk about often anymore is the military couple years there. Um, and that's one thing he wanted to touch on. And I feel like it's probably a good time to sort of talk about it a little bit. Um, yeah. Cause that's sort of where everything sort of happened and where we met was fucking at the two fifteenth. Yeah, the two fifteen for sure. That's kind of what I was I was wanting to touch on was you know what basic training was like, what it was you know the the, the whole thing because I've asked him but he's not gone super detailed into it and if I have somebody who was there with him then I can hear the whole story. Basic training, all right. I mean, there's all kind of ways we kind of go with this. What what are you looking for? <laughs> well, so I mean, basic training. To us, that's pretty normal. I mean, it's kind of what everybody expects, right? You do push-ups because you fucked up. You do push-ups because somebody else fucked up. And sometimes <laughs> you do push-ups because you didn't fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Um, in my opinion, uh, being, what was I, 17, 18? Like, about between 18 and 19, when I, when I joined and went through basic, um back on it it was just a whole mind mind remapping like it's i don't want to use it but i'm gonna use it right now it's a reprogramming man like you go in it it's a it's a total breakdown of whoever you thought you were so when when paul sit back and say you know you're doing push-ups for the wind blowing that's exactly (laughs) why (laughs) 
hey, it's it's 10 degrees out and we wanted 11 push-ups. <laughs> like, it did not matter. Um, it, it, it really put you into that space of, like, you ain't who you thought you were and we're about to mold you until you figure out who you are. Um, that's kind of the, the, the high-level idea I have of it. Um, while I, I was in it, man, it was how am I going to get swole? How am I going to become the universal soldier? It was all kind of stuff that was going through my mind, uh, looking at the various personalities in terms of the, the drill, you know, which ones we want to clown on all the time behind closed doors because they had a, she had a mustache or whatever. Like, it didn't matter. <laughs> like, you, you had, you had. I wouldn't call them like wrong, like wrestling matches, but you had like your, your like your fight clubs in the middle of the night. Like it was crazy, crazy little little side stories to just being a disciplined, you know, human being. Uh, after the lights went out, it was everything was on the table pretty much. I tried to not get fucked up and shit because. I was barely getting by. I've always been a big guy. So like I'm already a target. So I'm just trying to get through this without getting noticed as much as I can. Try not to get full metal jacketed. Yeah. You just, I don't want to be the best. I just don't want to be the last. (laughs) I guess we had like totally different, uh, uh, trajectories with it mentally i guess because i wanted to be the best but it was always like a few seconds short of it <laughs> like it never it never mattered well i think uh, and what was, i did i think for me when i first started that sort of was like my thing i was like you know what i need to just stay low-key and then as i was going i was like you know it'd be really cool if i could go to that school though yeah so it sort of, I think it grows on you, and I think that's part of the whole process there, sort of molding that in there, because that wasn't something I wanted in the beginning. Where did you end up going to uh, basic, though? Because I went to Jackson. Where did you end up going? Oh, I was in Fort Sill. Ugh. Yeah, it was terrible, because <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm going to the desert. Well, it gets really fucking cold in the desert in the wintertime. Yeah. And we actually couldn't do part of the course um, the night fire shit because there was a burn ban and then somebody had used the hand grenade range nearby and caught the fucking uh, course on fire so we couldn't even use it wow yeah it was messed up was was yours co-ed no that base actually was used for co-ed at one point but then they stopped doing co-ed there. So actually our barracks were the old female barracks. So on our, in our, the train, they actually had the dividers and uh, doors for the fucking uh, toilets in there. And all the other floors just had like open space. So we had that one little luxury over everybody else. Yeah. Not my luxury, though. I had co-ed experience. <laughs> and I, and yeah, like, that feels like it's kind of not... That sounds like it would kind of suck and adds a whole extra level of stress and bullshit. Nah. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. It was it was cool. I mean, 
you say the stress, like it was just cool to still realize that like there were still other genders out. You know what I mean? Like you had a female drill uh, drill sergeant. You know where you start off, and it was like, man, she's hit, and then. <laughs> Nine weeks in or whatever, you're like, man, she ain't too bad. <laughs> it's like with the brightest yeah. drink or two, I could, I could go for it. And see, and actually the first time <laughs> I ever saw a female uh, drill sergeant was when I actually made it to AIT. And yeah. it was it sucked because I still had this tattoo on my hand that I'd got a waiver for to get in. And nobody noticed it in all of basic training until I was shaking the drill sergeant's hand when I was leaving. Well, it was the first thing she saw and she immediately started about gangs and racist. And I was like, "Uh uh-oh, I fucked up already. (laughs) So that was was what was like inducting you two into the military. Where was it that you actually met? We didn't meet until we both ended up in the same unit back in Indiana um, up in Camp Atterbury, which was that was a whole merging thing because you came from another unit, didn't you? No, I came straight from uh, AIT and straight to the 215. I can't remember who came first. I can't remember if it was you or my uh, or myself. But um, we just—I don't know—we just kind of linked up. We just had like a little bit of a vibe, like right out the gate. Definitely from different faces of the earth, <laughs> personality-wise. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, because I know when we were, had got there, like actually it was like the first day that I remember, I was leaving. And I ended up some NCOs had taken me with them because I didn't have know anybody or have anywhere to go. And they were like, listen, it's our time. Just know that it's coming. So start getting ready. And it was like immediately we just everything came down and we were doing all kinds of fucking training and a lot yeah. of time spent together at that point extremely amount of, lot of time like for real like a lot of time spent together learning about each other's families learning about each other's like hobbies likes dislikes you know joking style because that's important in the military you got to know everybody's joke style like what they think is funny what they don't think is funny and just roll with it because that's really what gets you through oh yeah because you'll end up choking somebody because as soon as you said <laughs> that i actually thought of one person and fucking Wyke, if you're somehow yeah, listening, man, on. we love you, bud. <laughs> Jesus. I especially love Wyke just because I love the way you guys interact with each other. Jesus. I love him. I love him. I love him. Like, you guys have all been, like, uh, brothers to me. And, you know, going through that becoming a man type, uh, like like your friend said, coming in through basic was like your introduction into it when you get to your unit now you're kind of forming those those family-like relationships and that part of it i'd say was one hell of a growth experience you know whatever you feel about the military good bad or indifferent you know there's there's a processing or transitioning part of any person's life when they go through that you go through it with other people and you never really feel alone. Like you experience like all the same emotions around the same time, or, you know, you, you find out strengths, weaknesses and things of that nature all at the same time and various personalities and backgrounds on how to deal with it. It was a, a better sweet type of experience for sure. Definitely. And 
I can think of so many, like, uh, shit. I just, it just flew away at me. <laughs> Reach for it. Um, but yeah, uh, once we s- sort of went through, we did tons of training and we went some stupid places and did some terrible things. Fucking, you know, Texas though, <laughs> San Antonio, I enjoyed my time there. Except yeah. for that, like last time we went down there just before we left. Was there a story there? Uh, I mean, listen, everybody knows that the branches, we fucking, we poke at each other a lot. And we had to, I don't know. Did you go to the first group, EC, when we went down there? Or were you with the second group um, when we went to do the training at, uh, what was it, Bullis? Bullis, yeah. You had to have been there when we did the the morning news, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. We did do the morning news, yeah. That <laughs> so we were in this fucking like what were those like really long sheds? The Hutmits. So for normal people it's it's kind of really like an elongated shed with no Shack. doors. <laughs> yeah. And we did like news shows every morning or afternoon or whatever it was about Just fucking dumb nothing. shit. Nothing, yes. Not a damn thing. <laughs> but it was so fucked up. Because we were there and just trying to make the best of it. And then the Air Force showed up. Yes. These guys. And Oh, you're talking about when the Air Force showed up? Yeah, yeah. When they showed up, oh. and they w- couldn't stay where we were. Yeah, when they showed up, they made us... Well, they- it's almost like when when the Air Force showed up, it's kind of like when you figured out that Santa Claus wasn't real. Like, we were thinking we were doing something. Like, we were living. We were training. We were doing all these great things. And then all of a sudden, the Air Force showed up and made us feel like second-class citizens, third-class citizens, because our living conditions were so poor that they had to get, like, some sort of uh, stipend just to kind of pay them for living under their means. I was like, what is this? What do you mean? What are you talking about? <laughs> You get paid to live in this. Like, I've been sweating my balls off every single day praying for rain and wind just to break the humidity so I could sleep comfortably. You're saying, like, you're getting paid for your suffering? Like, what? what is this? Why did I join the wrong branch <laughs> to be treated so unkindly? And then they managed to somehow get hotels. Yeah. <laughs> and we oh, continue yeah. to stay in these fucking shacks. Yeah, eating packaged meals. Yeah, um, that was actually the that training there down in Texas. That was one of the last things we had done. I think it's safe to talk about it now. I think those missions are over. (laughs) Is is, is there in a black van going to shoot up back on the back off my head? I fucking hope not, because you'll realize we didn't. There's nothing to talk about. But after we did that, we did. We got to go up to Washington, which is actually, I liked it going up there. It was fucking cool to see yeah. the mountains and shit, even yeah. though we got stuck with the extra training and all that bullshit. Yeah. I, I, you know what? What was that? That was uh, Fort... Uh, uh, Lewis. Fort Lewis. There you go. Fort Lewis. I'll tell you what. That was a nice experience, but the only thing I can remember is during my promotion a man calling me Jerome instead of my actual name and not giving a damn about correcting oh, himself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's the only thing I can remember. 
damn the training, damn the joke, <laughs> damn, damn the, 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 the cafeteria, all that. Don't even remember it. I remember my man's front and center during my promotion saying, and from PFC to specialist, Jerome, Andrew Crawford, I was like, wait, 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 my name is Jermaine. He was like, nah, sound saying. I was like, bruh. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> I was like, bruh, this is going to go in somebody's history book some way, somehow. You don't know who I'm going to become? <laughs> I could, I could be... Oh my goodness! Like, and then they're gonna read. He was like, and he was promoted, Jerome. Like, no. <laughs> oh god. I know. Wow. And then I remember getting beat up by Sanderford. What? Because he was, yeah, not like not literally. So remember, uh, Travis, he was doing all of his uh, his uh, MMA stuff. Like he was just rolling around with guys. And I came in, you know, with a a very very uh, stout wrestling background and he was like yeah well let's show me what you got and I was like, i've never i've never really fought before but i ain't scared of nobody and yeah i should have been i should have <laughs> been <laughs> i should have been i should have been terrified my man was out there like oh my god i think i was working at least at 110 percent he was sitting around 25 percent because i had like no clue yeah well, and i think he, he was went super for- into that wasn't he yeah, he went for the choking. My God, I think my eyes got real big, man. They <laughs> <laughs> got really, really big. I think that's the other thing I remember from Lewis. So, uh, again, I asked, though, so you guys said you've gone overseas together? Yeah. That's what I really mm-hmm. want to know about. What What was it like over there? Well, that's actually from Lewis. We got to take the lovely trip from one side of the country to the next. And <laughs> then we got to hop to fucking Germany for, like, a hot minute. So I get to say I've been there, but I don't really, I mean, I saw the airport part of the airport, yeah. but from there we got, then we got to go to Kuwait and that was a fucking shock to me. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but Holy Christ, that was a whole different world. Yes, it was. I tell you what. Um, and if you don't mind, I'll jump on it. Um, I'd say the moment, we left Germany, got to Kuwait, and just saw the world. I mean, the lid blows off. Like, your entire concept of everything you thought you knew about life, everything you thought you knew about how people are living, like, all that top-blown clean off. Like, your, your, your brain is opened up, like, massively, at least for me. Um, was it a shock? No, couldn't even tell you what I was expecting when I first, uh, touched down. Um, at first you kind of like this feeling of like, man, I, I definitely got to be in a movie somewhere because this is what this feels like. You're in, uh, what was it? We was in one of those like touring buses, right. To, uh, get from one spot to the next and just riding along. And all you can see is like endless, dirt roads and desert and everything else. And we all got our gear and weapons. And it was like, Oh, we live now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it ain't, it ain't for play no more. We are live and we are at the very beginning stages of the mission, you know, um, very thankful for my experience that it was, uh, 
mild, right? It's not near as extreme as a lot of uh, individuals we know that have had that type of experience, but it was mild enough to say like, man, no, like at any moment something could, and we are here now. Like we are on the land. Like that was mind blowing to me. Oh yeah. I just remember one of the first things once like daylight, we rolled up for that little break and like you just in the middle of the desert suddenly there's tents and there's a giant fucking mcdonald's mm-hmm. sign in that sky yeah just like, wait <laughs> what the where are we yeah and uh crazy so we and we spent some time out there trying to get everything flipped around with the time changes and that was a a fun little treat trying to get that adjusted with the temperature sucking in the middle of the day. You don't want to be up. Can I say this? So here's, Oh man. All right. Here's an experience for you. So when we get there, I'm used to being acclimized to something, you know, you go somewhere very cold and you ain't been to that temperature. Like I get that. But nobody told me I had to basically acclimate myself to being surrounded by these meat beater beds. Like when you first got, when we first got there, it seemed like the most depressed mattresses I have ever <laughs> seen in my life. <laughs> I, I mean, I I think I, I triple layered the mattress. Like I know these mattresses have been through it because there's a lot of people that have been through these mattresses. You know, like. This is absolutely crazy. We got to sleep at these places for like what two weeks to acclimate. Yeah, I'm like, man, my whole my whole experience was just to, oh my god, kill the ghosts of dudes past. Like, get up, get up from around me. <laughs> like, I have no clue what I'm into right now. This is crazy. If I think I stayed up most nights uh, watching movies uh, at the uh, theater, right? Yeah, yeah, I know. A- bunch of us that's where i first really started playing magic actually and we would stay at one of those rec centers and just play magic till like five in the morning or something yes because just the thought of being in the mattresses for longer than a couple <laughs> hours just having <laughs> like i just couldn't do it and i think one morning i woke up with my bare face on the bare mattress and just felt absolutely disgusted like i didn't <laughs> i didn't uh Oh my god, that was terrible. Yeah. Oh my god. That place it was it was weird too because like you're not there, but you're it's just a weird place and feeling to be at that place. Um and then we finally we were there for a little bit. We actually went to a shooting range and it was what I actually had one of those moments that was kind of like, holy shit, this is a movie because as we're out there waiting to fucking check our weapons or whatever the fuck mm-hmm. off in the horizon, fucking three camels just start walking by. And I'm like, Whoa, what the fuck is this? I must've been asleep. I couldn't <laughs> remember that. <laughs> it was, I remember it was early as hell though. I must've been asleep. I think I slept just about everywhere. If I was comfortable enough, I mean, I remember the pictures. Oh, places become comfortable real quick. <laughs> Super quick. But yeah. now, I mean, once we got to um, to actually 
the actual base, it was the first night was kind of odd just trying to get figure out where everything was and moving everybody else out and us in. It was that was a whole thing. And then getting I know when they split up all the bunks, I ended up with, you know, we had a couple guys that had just sort of jumped on there at the end and you just get shoved three guys into these, I mean, Connex boxes. I don't know what else to call them, really. Yeah. It was our apartments, man, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I just, I feel like whenever I say Connex box, pe- box people are like, what the hell's a Connex box? Mm-hmm. It, it sounds like you guys were living under a state of constant readiness, just battling for them at all times. I mean, that's... <laughs> That's a lot of what ended up going down. I mean, we would have, we did um, EMS service for the one half of the base. So there was a lot of just waiting and anticipating something to happen. And a lot of rock band was played. Oh, I can just see you guys. <laughs> I can just see you guys in, in, in your cam- camos playing fucking with the plastic guitar and drum band shit. Well, that is very true because what well, we did 24 hour uh, shifts or 48s, one of the two. 48s. I think we uh, did. 24 were your first uh, or second up, and then the next night you're first up. And then you had those two back to back off days, unless there's meetings or PT or, you know, other assorted activities. Yeah. I mean, I'd say this I'd say 85 percent of our time spent i'd say was very very light and then it was some some spiked uh moments i mean it's a soap opera at times Uh, (laughs) (laughs) like you can't have females in here right like it's a it's a soap opera all kinds of like little side quests if you will just popping off you know, until like something else would happen. Oh yeah. There was, and there was all kinds of shit always popping off, uh, just different dumb shit. Cause you're, you know, there's not a whole lot of places to go. I mean, we actually had a lot of options way more than most people would because we were on an air force base. Um, but even then, you know, you're going with a group of people and, you do pretty much everything together for for us a long ass time. Yeah. There was a lot of pranks with uh, against the fire department there for a while. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And you know what? They earned it. Why? Because they kept rubbing in our faces that they were only there for four months. Yep, that's what you get. <laughs> it was messed up. They rolling in and out so quick. Yes. It's like, oh, a new class. Great. I sure would love to be home as well. Yeah. You know, they were like, <laughs> thank you so much. I think we saw like two rotations. Yeah. Uh, before we got home. Man. Let me ask this. It, did it did it seem bigger than like it was going to be once you got there? Like like you said, you seemed like it was a whole lot of inactivity. Was it, was it anything like you were expecting? Uh... For me, I honestly didn't know what to expect. 
I think when I look back on it and uh, I speak to my wife from time to time about my experience, it's all the stuff you would have never thought about. So not to try and get too philosophical or anything else like that, but I thought initially that I'd be out there. There might be some, you know, patrols that I might have to be a part of and clinics and, and, and things of that rotations and things of that nature, which no patrols, but those clinic rotations definitely happened. Um, I didn't think I'd have as many freedoms uh, as, as we had. You know, I think the Internet was a big thing uh, then because if you had it, man, you didn't have to go to the NWR and wait a long period of time. So I was fortunate because the the uh, Connex that I got into already had a line straight to it because the guy had already uh, lined the previous owners up. Well, so I paid that little... Yeah, I paid that little bit of whatever, man, just to keep in contact. Never really had to leave um, the Connex too often. Yeah, that was the um, few times I really left was to go use the Internet so I could write back home and check on what's going on. Yeah, all the emails, all the I think it was Facebook that I was active on. So all the Facebook messages from time to time that I had the opportunity to. Uh, send messages back, um, you know, that was definitely a big deal. Instant Messenger was huge. Oh, yeah, yeah. Huge. Instant and then that secret I believe backdoor Yahoo. phone number thing that we had going was pretty awesome. Yeah, which was also really good. What was that? I don't, I don't even remember how it worked, but somehow <laughs> we had a number that we could call, and it somehow helped connect back to the states and saved our fucking calling cards somehow or another nice little story. yeah i'm always down for a hustle so i guess uh to close this little part of the, the interview i just want to ask do you regret any part of your enlistment or do you do you are you glad you went ahead and went with, with it or did this stick out to you ah <sighs> wow that's a heavy side there warner yeah i mean <laughs> I've thought about like if I would have done something different, but I'd feel like I couldn't because of all the people that I ended up meeting. I would never know them. And like, you know, Sergeant Hevel and fucking, you know, Snake Dog and Sergeant Grabby Paul's like none of that would exist. And I don't think characters wouldn't exist. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I just don't think. I could change anything because then none of that happens. And I don't, I don't think I could want that. Yeah. I'd say I'd have to agree with you. Um, I've come to this realization that things happen for you, not to you. You know, I was in a position where I was immature. I was, I was unguided and I found a trusted uh, avenue to kind of help mold me. And, you know, I, I, found myself in a position where I found the love for photography, where I found the love for people and, and, and humanitarian acts and things of that nature. So if I don't go overseas, if I don't join the service, like I don't really validate those parts of me that had already existed, but I don't get that validation and like, yeah, Jermaine, like that's definitely the route you need to go. 
and uh, the military definitely gave me that exposure. Definitely. And speaking of the photography and everything, um, after we got out, um, we both went off and you ended up moving and actually you moved fucking to the other side of the country now. Um, yeah, twice. <laughs> yeah, tw- uh, so, but in that time, um, we'd actually connected before. And at the time I was trying to figure out what the hell I was doing. Cause I had just got out fairly recently at that point. And I was looking at, uh, into the culinary world and wanting to do the whole chef thing. And I remember you yep. were looking into, um, was it physical therapy? Well, I was studying for physical therapy. I really just wanted to be a, a personal trainer. Right. Yes. So I was I was heavy in the fitness. I'm sure I'm still kinda am, um, but fitness like that whole thing. And we were like, man, we could definitely partner up. I was like, you get the whole nutrition thing down, and all I gotta do is train some people. I was like, we're gonna change some lives. We're gonna we're gonna do this, <laughs> and it kind of puffing to smoke. But yeah, it turns out you know. for some reason they all want that damn piece of paper that says you know what the hell you're saying. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I believe I'm a pretty good interviewer, but I couldn't claim that I'm a trained journalist. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we did find something that, uh, I mean, yeah, there's classes for it, but from there, our paths cross again as we both decided to pick up a camera and start shooting things. Yeah, and that's, yeah. That's, that's, that, that's ultimately what brings us here today because a lot of the times on this show when we do this, it's a lot of me yapping because I fill a lot of air with my hot gas. But this is about photography, and this is something that I don't know a whole lot about, and I always defer to my friend on this. So, Paul, why don't you... And Jermaine here, Wax Photography. Tell us what brought you to this camera world. Well, and that's actually what I want to know first. What did bring you to that point? Uh, Like, what happened to make you decide, hey, that's what I'm going to do? For me, I needed a way to express myself. So the order uh, of events came that I took an elective. Right. Um, I always knew I was somewhat creative, but I took an election. I was like, oh, I could definitely do that. Uh, it'd be an easy credit. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Then for whatever reason, I felt in my own opinion, I put way more effort into it than what I felt my classmates were putting into it. I was like, man, my pictures look way better. Y'all. It's like, I'm, I'm not trying to judge per se, but it's like, for some reason, you are the one that's just trying to get a credit, and I'm trying to, you know, actually get something from this, if that makes any sense. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and I took it on. I was like, man, Jermaine, you do like art. Your mother, she, she draws very well, and there's artistic people within your family, and you can't keep a straight line scribbly for, for forever at all whatsoever. So you, that's not going to be you. So I was like, how can I cheat the system? I was like, well, photography. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, you, you shoot the shot and it's magic, you know, it's absolute magic. And I ended up uh, with my, when I spent time with um, Charlie Company, C-Med, 
in Indiana, out in uh, Noblesville at the time. I think we moved to Anderson uh, a year or two later. Uh, when I took my promotion, I was uh, assigned or appointed the uh, UPAR, or the Unit Public Affairs Representative. So oh, for with real? just Damn. my yeah, so with just my iPhone, right? I was just shooting shots, like you know, doing all kinds of what I thought were like really dope pictures of us in our training events and submitting them, you know, to the command. And I was like, this is really good stuff, Jermaine. Like I'm honestly just pumping myself up. Like, yo, you should definitely be doing this. And I got a camera and was like, I'm going to just keep on. And I started to form an eye and a develop a uniqueness of just drawing the life out of a particular moment and sharing that with people. And I wanted to continue to do that. Um, I started to think I want to do it for pay. And then all of a sudden, I was like, oh, people, people's issues tend to kind of bleed out and everything. And they don't really, you know, vibe with the, with the artistry. And that's the space that I was in mentally. So I ended up putting it down for a few years because I didn't want to deal with other people in that way because I just wanted it to remain like a hobby, but to say all that, it was basically me saying, Hey, I want to credit. And then I started to get that itch and was like, you know, I want to keep making this better. Yeah, definitely. That makes, I mean, when I started doing everything, I was just like, well, I just kind of want to do this. And I had like a birthday gift for uh, an eBay gift card or some shit. And I was just like, um, I don't really know what I want. That's going to cost, you know, about 50 bucks. So I just, I was like, you know what? I've always wanted a cool camera. Let's see if I can't just get some kind of little ca cheap camera so I can take some photos at home or whatever. And I got that and quickly realized that this wasn't going to be good enough. And I'm going to, find a way to do something with this. And, um, I've looked at a couple things I do. I've done, you know, a lot of the live shows and things. Um, and really <laughs> it was something I was just like, well, what can I shoot? That's interesting because I'm in Indiana and there isn't a whole lot of epic photos to be gotten around here. So I was like, well, what can I find in he, in the area that will be relevant and constantly changing to some degree that I can yeah. get these photos out there? Yeah. So definitely a concert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what else do you do around here? There's concerts and there's like the fairs and <laughs> That's about it. And nobody wants to do that. I feel like the fairs are pretty much the same too. I mean, it does change, but yeah. I mean, yeah, it's it's concerts basically. At that, I mean, that's what they are. It's a big party with crazy, yeah. unhealthy, deep fried chocolate bars. <laughs> oh man! So, but it's just funny too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So what if something? So if, if Paul says he likes to shoot concerts, and that's that's kind of what brought him into this. What are some of the things that you like to shoot? So my top two are definitely uh, portraits, 
I like getting into those those candid moments. Um, those are our big deal to me. Uh, having or capturing the essence of someone's loved one, and I do mean like the essence, not that that target crap that you'll get or whatever. Those those stock photo families, like none of that. Like when it's your granny, I want to shoot what your granny loved doing. Which if it was having the kids on their lap and sharing the story like i want to capture that because that's y'all's memory i love capturing memories the other thing is is nature and the macro side of or the micro side of nature um it's an amazing an amazing beast so i love trying to uh stretch the imagination with what it is i actually shot and um kind of getting down to that that level of the world I actually, I want to play more with the macro lenses and do some of those because I think those shots are some of the coolest things you'll ever see because you just don't get that close to some of this stuff. And it's crazy the detail that a lot of these lenses can get that magnified. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, when you were talking Uh, about the essence of the shot, I definitely, I've been working on sort of learning lighting to help tell stories and just Mm -hmm. the storyteller perspective of getting shots that go together to tell that story that capture that, that whole feeling of that moment. And I definitely, that's definitely a big part of getting a good shot because it adds that extra level that a picture doesn't have. Yes, it does. You know, um, lighting, like, the science of it all, for sure, is something that that attracts me. But when it comes to to that that feeling, that art, like I I love it when I am able to take a picture for someone in an event. Um, you saw some of the the shots I did for the uh, wrestler that was here in town. He had like a little uh, gig, and I did something for him. He was like, I just absolutely love your shots because, you know. He, he said you just capture like that emotion from that moment and you get to see it over and over and over again. It's not just a kick to the head. It's like, yo, it's a kick to the head. And oh, by the way, my man's face, it, you can feel through the picture, like how my man's actually felt. <laughs> right. Yeah. Kick to the face. Like, you got experience when we were filming at the gathering for me for my, uh, my uh, wrestling page. Yeah. Yeah. We, I did, uh, was it like three back to back nights of wrestling and there is definitely an energy that can be captured or you can get just two guys lying on yeah two guys lying on the ground Mm -hmm. mm-hmm you gotta be there to get it and you gotta also kind of anticipate like that's the other part too like at first i didn't i didn't really understand the the art of anticipation (laughs) (laughs) you know like it was just like, all right, cool, got it. And it was like, oh, well, I didn't really like that. Or the angles, too, like knowing where to be to get the right shot based on how they're setting stuff up. I was like, man, this is this is, this is is where I want to be at. Yeah, that was actually one of the first sort of things that I picked up when I started doing all these shows because it's like, well, these shots are cool, but they're all looking kind of the same because it's that same straight-on angle and – figuring out, okay, well, 
where can I crouch down and can I work around some angle around something to make it more interesting? And, and you got to start finding those. Otherwise, you get that, the same stuff. Something else that I've noticed that you catch, and it's pretty cool, and I'm sure other photographers do, but since I know you personally, I see it in your work. You catch artists doing on stage signature moves, quote, oh, quote. Right, yeah. Stabbing with the mm -hmm. mic or giving a choke for the, the, the stuff, you know. Yeah, you try to... I, I know, especially with the uh, concerts, you get you, there's certain things that they do frequently and you sort of have to learn the timing cadence like, oh, OK, he's stepping up now. I got about two seconds to line this up because he's going to start doing this particular thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I love that part. I love that part about photography and, and, and everything else portraits, action shots. Like that's really what I wanted to try and penetrate as well is, is, um, this, this fight community and, uh, be there when, you know, the fighters are, are, are rolling around and training and things of that nature, you know, just to get more of like that life of a, of a fighter, just top to bottom. It's, oh, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah, definitely could see that. Just sort of the whole what goes into doing that. Yeah, but I definitely enjoy seeing your work, man. Like every time I see the what what is it the the wandering yeti or the walking yeti? A wandering yeti, yeah. The wandering yeti, man. I see that, and I see the photos pop up every single time. It gets a heart from your boy because, like, I, I I see a lot of the um the the work you put into just capturing what it is to be at one of those concerts. And then also I wanted to tell you, so it's a great opportunity. I see the progression too, right? Like I see oh, from I when it was the it, first time I saw it, right? Right. When I, when I first started seeing it, I was like, Oh my man, he's doing photos is dope. But now to this point when I was like, Oh, there's growth too, you know? So there's definitely a, a uh, visible growth. And, and I hope people are able to see and appreciate that. Well, I appreciate you saying that, man, because I just want to make sure it wasn't just me because I hate looking at my old stuff. I'm like, ah, he what needs, the hell? He needs to hear it more. <laughs> I, I tell him all the time how good he is. He needs to hear it more. But uh, we're actually, I'm actually finally going to get to go to a show. I've taken a long ass break after the last big show I did, that big festival, because that was draining on every aspect of my life. A long fucking time with a lot of fucking buddies. Yeah. So, yeah, but I'm, I'm about to make the trip up to Detroit here this coming up week. Well, by the time this is out, it'll be over. I'm going to attack at the ninjas. So you guys all know that. Okay. <laughs> so, I won't be there for this one. So the whole fixer and happen crew will not be in attendance on that. Yes, but I'm going to go try to do that and hopefully I can get some new stuff. I'm, I'm really thinking there should going to be some cool um, stage props that I can work with. Um, that always makes it a lot of fun to me, like being yes. able to get a different background than just the, you know, the small stage and, you know, the doors and all that fun stuff. You know, that's something I'll say. Say what you want about the underground music we listen to, but they always have a pretty dope stage set. Yeah, yeah. They're fo well, I mean, they were trained. They're following the footsteps. A stage shows and a stage shows important in the music industry right now because it 
if I remember right, most money seems to be coming from tour sales. Yeah, nobody makes money off albums. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's no money. Yep. But, uh, man, I tell you, I do appreciate you coming on with us. It's been forever, and hopefully we can work on something together sometime. Um, I might have to get out that way where it's warm and not fucking freezing right now. You talking about out here in Vegas? Yeah, man. Anywhere. Yeah. That's where you're at. We were being talking about going on vacation. I'll have to stop by and we'll have to take some pictures because I feel I know there's got to be something out there that's uh, I'm not going to find here for sure. Yeah, we really, we man, really appreciate you dropping in and rapping with us. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely a, a nice uh, what do you call it community out here, an expressive community. Like the art district is amazing out here. Um, there's there's definitely like little hubs of like models, photographers, videographers, DJs. I mean, everything that's like in our media space. Yeah, is out here, and you can definitely tap into it with all the different sites to see, and and types of photography you you could ever imagine wanting to do. So, most definitely, man, we can definitely iron that out or whatever uh, aligns sure, best with us. Definitely, because that's something that's totally foreign to me. Like it freaks me out. Like I couldn't imagine having that much competition in one space, and not necessarily—I don't mean competition, but just having other photographers. Like you know, you show up, like okay, I'm gonna take these pictures, and you're just like, there's like 17 other people here right now. I'm gonna just go over here. So I don't. That would just be a weird thing for me. Hmm. I don't know. I feel I, I feel that. I feel that. But I think you'd be greatly surprised on kind of how the community works, man. Like, photographers know what photographers go through. Um, I think it's more or less, and what I'm discovering is just getting over that, that self, uh, what do you call it, that, that self-degrading uh, uh, type, like I'm not good enough type feeling or whatever, like, everybody starts somewhere everybody goes through something and there's a lot of dope photographers out here that will share their time with you um if you allow yourself to feel worthy of being in that space man because it ain't that deep man we all learn from each other for sure man well we appreciate the time brother we're gonna get out of here because it's already getting dark here in the midwest Uh, (laughs) fucking winter for sure for sure Man, it was definitely great catching up, man. Thank you guys for the for letting me on. Definitely, man. We will definitely get at you at some point when I come up with something that we can do together again, man. Absolutely. Take care. Yeah, you too. We usually don't have something extra after these interviews, but I got to fucking add this. Um, if anybody knows anything about me, they know I'm a wrestling fan. If anybody knows anything about wrestling, they watched the Crown Jewel event in Saudi Arabia. Now, I got to bring this to everyone's fucking attention because uh, there's some traffic on my wrestling page and I got some people who aren't buying into this story, but I'm putting this out there. After the fourth successful crown jewel event in Saudi Arabia for these people, um, as, the plane, as, as the WWE employees were attempting to leave, uh, they were pulled off of a flight and said that it was due to mechanical issues and they were detained against their will back at their hotel rooms. Um, Now, Brock Lesnar 
had his own personal plane, so he flied, flew the fuck out on his own. Um, Vince McMahon left with some sh- with some of his uh, personal handpicked people that he always has around him. He's gone now. And here's the real thing: I don't even know if the situation has been completely fucking resolved or not. I don't know if uh, the twelve to fifteen employees, including writing staff and performers, have made it home yet. They weren't on SmackDown this Friday because of this event. Um, the only names I can know for a fact who were involved are Luke Harper, Buddy Murphy, and um, uh, Rusev because of tweets that they've put out. Now, this is where things start to get murky and honestly downright a little fucking frightening. Rumor has it, and I'm only saying rumor because I don't have legitimate proof, but rumor has it that due to the second and third uh, Crown Jewel events not being paid for, Vince McMahon pulled live feed of the show over certain countries. Uh, and that the Saudi prince did not show up for a personal meeting that he was supposed to have with McMahon. And Vince left in a huff. And now here's the thing. Doing that over here, that's okay, that's fine. But if you piss off royalty over there people fucking die right right and yeah. i mean they fucking die this happens often and it just seems like and this is this is the real part about it is it seems like two billionaires multi-billionaires are just swinging their dicks at each other i mean kind of but but that's not okay to play with people's no, fucking lives like that yeah i don't know um I'm not super educated into it myself either, but it definitely it's it's a scary situation, and I hope everything works out well. Yeah, because again, as I stated, as me recording this, we still don't have a, a, an outcome. And when I do know something on an, on a, in, a, in a future episode, I will tell you people what has taken place. But I'm sure you'll know then by then as well. But I just I wanted to get that off my chest, and we get that out there that this this has been a bad idea from the get go. It's been paid with blood money, and if they haven't paid you for the other two events that you've done, and you've done four, maybe, just maybe, a 10-year fucking contract with these people is not the best of ideas, Vince. I mean, if I ain't got the money, I feel like there's got to be something in the contract that we can get out of this. Like, how are you going to just take those losses? It doesn't even make business sense at this point, you know? Yeah, speak, but... And this is the reason why I think the story really makes sense is because the WWE's quarterly annually uh, reports showed at least several hundreds of millions of dollars not paid to them. Yeah, that's that's crazy. So yeah, again, just just to close this thought, just stop it. Just just stop going over there. Stop doing this. This is not a good thing for your company or your performers. And uh, you know, that's all I got for today. You know, like, share, and fucking subscribe. You know where you can find us? WanderingYeti.com. Picture it didn't happen on fucking Facebook and Instagram. Like nine other fucking podcast spots. It's, you can check us out. Spotify, iTunes. You can fucking find us if you really want to. Check us out. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll catch you all next week. Peace.